keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May the 11th, 2022. And here's a question for you. Is the dream of home ownership over? Are we living in new and interesting times where first-time home buyers could only dream of such and may have to just decide they're going to be renters for... I don't know, the next decade or so. We're, we're going to ask that question to Paul Holub. He's a, a good friend, a, a good Catholic, and a realtor here in our neck of the woods. And he's taking a look at the national trends. We're going to be discussing this. In fact, according to the S&P Home Index, housing prices have increased 34% just since the pandemic started and up 20% just in the last 12 months. So we're going to be discussing this coming up at 35 past the hour. Hey, offices at the Oregon Right to Life, they were firebombed. That's always fun. Pennsylvania Democrat who has uh, claimed pro-life for so many years, Senator Bob Casey. Well, he's flipping the lid there, and he's decided to go pro-abortion all of a sudden. Pro-life women's group says leftists vandalized and urinated on their offices at uh, D.C., the Concerned Women for America. And the USACB is calling for a day of fasting and prayer due to all of the pro-abortion shenanigans around the country. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Yikes. I was hoping for some good news mm-hmm. today. Oh, you want good news? I got good news for you. <laughs> Let me, pop quiz, the, the five least affordable housing markets. Okay, the five least affordable. Yeah. Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston. What? What? Houston, what are you talking about? Uh, New York and California. <laughs> <laughs> How did Houston make three out of the five? Okay, add Austin, fine. Oh, wow. All right, so the, the top five least affordable housing markets. Coming in at number five, uh, Hialeah, Florida. Hmm, Number four, your neck of the woods, Los Angeles, California. They didn't even make top one. Dang. I know, like slackers. Uh, Number three, Newark, New Jersey. Number two, New York, New York. Number one, least affordable housing market in the country, Miami, Florida. Those are all cities I don't want to live in. So that's good news for me. <laughs> well, Thank Houston you, Joe. wasn't on that market. <laughs> Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And it's also not on the most affordable either. Uh, number five, Cleveland, Ohio. Number four, Lubbock, Texas. Number three, Detroit, Michigan. Number two, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And number one, most affordable housing market. I'm not going to tell you because I'm moving there and I don't want the competition. Okay. It's Wichita, Kansas. Oh, okay. Well, I'll send you a postcard from uh, from Michigan. So. <laughs> from Michigan. Well, good luck. Good luck. Have fun in Michigan. Speaking of having fun, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. We had fun yesterday. We did. Praise be to God. We were out over at Discovery Green in Houston, Texas, uh, praying for a one and into abortion and two in reparation for sins and outrages against the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So praise be to God for that. And uh, so it was, we had a huge turnout. We probably had overall throughout the day, because people were coming and going, probably about 90 people. And then probably at one time, we probably had about 75 people at once. So praise be to God. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, I'd also like to ask everyone, if y'all would, say a prayer for Father John Stone. He's a, a oblate for, of St. Augustine. He's very ill right now, and he's uh, in the hospital, or he's... Uh, yeah, so he's just in a bad place at the moment. So if you give him a say an Ave for him today, that'd be very grateful. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we, we will be praying. It was a very good time yesterday. Love to see everybody that came out. I would have loved to have seen, you know, I don't know, ten or 12,000 Catholics from around Houston to show up. That would have been amazing, considering how many Catholics live in this city. But uh, at the same time, we were very grateful for those that did. And it was relatively calm, I would say. There was only, like, really one person that got bent out of shape uh, against the, the protest. But that wasn't all that bad, really. So it was pretty good to go, praise be to Jesus, and lots of uh, lots of encouragement out there, lots of honking horns for pro-life, so very nice. encouraging. Yeah. All right, like I said, we have a lot to get into today. We're going to have uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, plus breaking news, all that coming up, and then what's concerning us at 15 past, uh, lots to talk about there, and then, of course, our friend Paul Holub is going to give us a market update. Is the homeowner dream of uh, in America over? Uh, is it... Is the housing market going to bust? We're going to find out. 35 past hour. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, May 11th, and these are your headlines. Epic Times reports Virginia Attorney General calls on local prosecutors to charge Supreme Court protesters. Virginia's Attorney General is calling on prosecutors to enforce a law that bars disruptions outside of people's homes after about 100 protesters descended on the, de- the residence of Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito. Federal law bars protesting near the homes of any of the judges with the intent of influencing them, but U.S. prosecutors have shown no indication that they plan on pursuing charges against the protesters who recently went to the homes of several other justices in Maryland. The White House has offered support for the protesters. The Washington Examiner reports the U.N says there's credible information Ukrainian forces are torturing Russian POWs. The evidence suggests that Russia is not the only country willing to break international norms during war, as the UN reports that the Ukrainian forces have subjected Russians under their watch to treatment that violates international law. Matilda Bogner, head of the UN Human Rights Monitoring Mission in Ukraine, said. And the AP reports watery graves recall early Las Vegas organized crime days. Stories about long-departed... Uh, Las Vegas organized crime figures are surfacing after a second set of unidentified human remains were revealed as the water level continues to fall on drought-stricken Lake Mead. The reservoir on the Colorado River is about a 30-minute drive from the mob-founded Las Vegas Strip. There's no telling what we'll find in Lake Mead, former Las Vegas Mayor Oscar Goodman said. It's not a bad place to dump a body. I'm relatively sure it wasn't Jimmy Hoffa, he laughed, referring to the former labor boss who disappeared in 1975. But he added that a lot of his former clients seemed interested in climate control, which is mob speak for keeping the lake level up and bodies down in their watery graves. Breitbart reports coronavirus lockdown in Shanghai triggers riot at MacBook factory. Hundreds of employees at the Shanghai factory of Taiwan-based Quanta Computer Inc. rioted over the weekend, pushing past barricades and clashing with police in an eruption of frustration after six weeks of punishing coronavirus lockdowns. The employees were evidently frustrated with the closed-loop management system that forced them to live on factory premises, so hundreds of them pushed through security barricades and made a dash for the outside world. 
And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The same of the day is St. Gangolfus, who was born in the 7th or 8th century. He was born to one of the most illustrious families of Burgundy, and his education was provided by his parents, who were virtuous Christians. And as a youth, he was known for his great honesty, chastity, and propriety. And he visited churches and read religious texts, avoided the company of libertines, and when his parents died, he became a model landowner. He was taking care of the household economy with ease and industry, and also providing for the church and the poor on his land. When it came time to marry, he chose a woman who did not share his virtues. As an important nobleman, Gangolfus participated in the wars at the time, but also dedicated himself to the preaching of the gospel in Frisia. On a journey back to Burgundy, he found a property at Basigny, upon which stood a fountain that issued forth good water. Gangolfus brought the, bought the property, however his friends mocked him because this property's fountain was not, would, would not serve back at home. However, when Gangolfus returned home, he pushed a stick into the soil. The next day he instructed his servants to pull the stick out of the soil, and out of the soil emerged a new fountain from which gushed fresh water. During his absence, his wife had committed adultery with a priest. His wife protested her innocence, but Gangolfus wished her innocence to be judged by God. Thus, he had her dip her hand into the very same source of water he had created on his property. His wife's hand was completely and miraculously scalded by the water. Gangolfus was fairly lenient, and he forbade his wife from ever sharing his marriage bed, and also ordered the priest to go abroad. Gangolfus, meanwhile, withdrew to his castle in Avignon, near Vizlay, performing works of penance and charity. However, his wife soon had her lover return. Hurrying back, the priest, wishing to decapitate him, attacked the saint as he slept. However, the priest missed and injured him. The wound, however, proved to be fatal, and Galgolfus received the last sacraments on May 11, 760. The priest fled the country with his wife, and purported miracles soon took place at Galgolfus's tomb. Both his wife and the priest soon suffered grave illnesses and died. St. Galgolfus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn him. For I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge him. The word that I spoke, it will condemn him on the last day, because I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me con commanded me what to say and to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom would say, quote, uh, speaking of, I judge him not. He says, I am not the cause of his destruction, 
but he is himself by despising my words. The words that I have just said shall be his accusers and deprive him of all excuse. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him. And what word? The vis-a-vis that I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. All these things were said on their account that they might have no excuse. Close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. (laughs) We will be judging ourselves by the very life we have lived, by the choices we have made, whether we have accepted or rejected the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what that should mean for the rest of our life. Because choices have consequences. And we, as our, as our Lord says in this passage, and St. Chrysostom points out, we are sending ourselves to our eternal destination. We should, we should choose carefully. St. Augustine says, whereby it is evident that he found all in darkness, in which darkness, if they wish not to remain, they must believe in the light which is come into the world. He says in one place to his disciples, ye are the light of the world, but... He did not say to them, ye are come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on you should not abide in darkness. All saints are lights, but they are so by faith, because they are enlightened by him from whom to withdraw is darkness. Close quote. St. Augustine, pray for us. Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out uh, in uh, verse 44 of John 12 here, it says, Him who sent me, because Jesus is the image of the Father and speaks the words of the Father, our response to him is a measure of how we respond to the Father. Let that sink in. Our Lord is making it explicitly clear whom he is. He is God incarnate. The second person of the Blessed Trinity. I've said this a million times. I'm going to beat this drum until you truly understand. The next time you are uh, confronted by your Jehovah's Witness co-workers or your Mormon friends or, or whatever that deny the divinity of Christ, you can always point to this verse too. As well as all the others I pointed this out. Jesus makes this explicitly clear that he is co-equal with the Father. And he does the mind of the Father. He does what the Father wills and nothing else. Let that sink in today. Choices have consequences. Our response matters and has an eternal, an eternal effect. Let's choose wisely today. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. And also the market, the real estate market. That's coming up this hour, too. We'll be right back. Believers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, my friend Paul Holub, Catholic realtor, is going to be on with us to talk about the real estate market. What is going on in the real estate market? Prices up nearly 20% in just the last 12 months. Is it even possible to uh, dream of home ownership in this country anymore. We're going to be conversating about that. What are the trends? What can we look forward to? What can we expect? All that coming up at 35 past the hour, so stick around for that. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you. I mean, for instance, I saw a story this morning. Uh, you know, we are sending $40 billion to the Ukraine, and uh, and yet we are having to limit who can buy and how much you can buy baby food formula in our country. Because, golly gee is Ukraine is obviously a higher priority than taking care of our own babies in the United States. Well, that's a concerning story for sure. But I wanted to go over this list from the LifeSite News. The full list, the, the headline says, Pro-abortion vandalism, church storming over possibility Roe v. Wade will, will, uh, will fall. So I wanted to go over this list because as the reports come in, it's kind of hard to keep track. So I just wanted to keep, bring you up to date on what has been going down over this last week since the leaked uh, opinion from Justice Alito coming out of the Supreme Court, which, by the way, they're still illegally protesting in front of the, the justices' homes. It's, it's illegal, according to Virginia law, to protest in front of someone's home, and yet they're still doing it, and the DOJ is apparently not interested to shut that down. There you go. Golly, you is. All right, on May 8th, in Salem, Oregon, Oregon Right to Life's offices were attacked with incendiary devices late Sunday night. When asked if the attack on the building was inspired by the Supreme Court draft decision, Lois Anderson, the executive director of Oregon Right to Life, said, quote, we don't know for sure because there was no graffiti or messaging left, close quote. That was May 8th in Salem, Oregon. A Molotov cocktail was used. Sounds reasonable. I mean, before I was like, I'm pro-life, but now that you throw Molotov cocktails, well, college you is. I see the reasonable to abortion, I suppose. I mean, utterly insane. May 8th, 2022, Manassas, Virginia, First Care Women's Health pro, Pro-Life Pregnancy Center was vandalized with graffiti reading, quote, abortion is a right, close quote. Exactly where is abortion a right? Like, can you just point to the paragraph or the sentence in the U.S. Constitution that says abortion is a right? I'm just curious. I wonder if it's there. May 8th, Los Angeles, California, pro-abortion activists were escorted out of the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels after they attempted to disrupt a Sunday Mass that was taking place in the cathedral. Rudy. You are uh, the one to blame for all the troubles of Los Angeles. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you're from there, therefore you must give an account. I'm the honorary you're, mayor you're, of Los Angeles. You are the governor of the California. governor of California, too. The honorary governor of California. But you know what's interesting to me? 
uh, I saw a video clip yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so these protesters coming in in their uh, handmaid's tail out costumes, <laughs> two teenage boys were, were the ones assigned to manning the front door. Really? Two young teenage boys. I'm not surprised. And they let, they, it's not that they let them in. It's like you could tell that they didn't want to let them in, but they're probably nervous. Yeah. Confused. For sure. Not sure what to do, what to do or what they could do. You know, like, and so they basically blew right past these two teenage guys, and they came in. I just imagine if two adult males blocked that door and wouldn't let them in. Let me tell you, I mean, I I, uh, I completed RCIA at the cathedral, which is where it happened in Los Angeles. And strategically speaking, if you look at the entrances, the uh, the entry points to the building, it's very hard to defend those those locations. There's a lot of yeah. doors. And they actually lead into corridors, so there's a lot of room for people just to rush in. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, yeah. things stopping them to, to come in. But you're absolutely right, you know, to put two boys there, you know, it's the sort of activism that we see in the church today. Well, we want to get the young people involved. Yes, it's true. Involve them. Well, in there's protests? Well, yeah, <sighs> though, well, let me get to that. So it's good to involve them that way, but for the defense of the church, you need to have somebody up there who's going to be capable and yeah. understands what to do. Yeah. A young teenager hasn't probably thought of all the ways that people are going to try and go past him or what he's going to do or what she's yeah. going to do, whatever. So uh, it, it is uh, pretty absurd. But, you know, we've been beating, like you said, Joe, we've been beating this drum a lot. Mm. Make sure that you know what the defenses of your parish are. This is happening already. And what you like, what will be your response? Okay. Exactly. When such and such shows up and does X, we're going to do Y. Like, it could what be is as, that? It could be as simple as locking the doors could be. Uh, or, know, of the or, church or while just the mass is going getting on. the big guy to stand in the door frame and not move. Yeah. I mean, that's an option. You don't get the smallest kid in the in the parish to block the door. You get the big guy to, to block the door. And maybe you get two or three big guys to stand there. And good luck getting past the big guy. I mean... Yeah. If you see people coming up in red garb, you know, LARPers <laughs> who, who watch too much television yeah. and they have to use every TV show to, uh, to uh, justify what yeah. they're doing. It uh, seems bizarre to Call me the big for, guy in. It seems bizarre, though, that a cathedral would not have a plan. Or... Armed security guards. I mean, our cathedral, co-cathedral downtown where we're located, always has an armed guard available. Yeah. There are uh, security guards, uh, but I will say the only times I ever saw the security was when the either Cardinal, uh, what's his name, Mahoney was there, mm-hmm. or the He's Archbishop. Still there, by the way. He's still there. Yeah. yeah, he actually lives pretty close in residence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever whenever the uh, the big prelates were there, that's when you saw security. But other other than that, you hardly ever saw anybody there. That's wild to me. Yeah. It really is wild to me. All right, uh, May 8th, Madison, Wisconsin. The headquarters of pro-life advocacy group Wisconsin Family Action was set ablaze in an act of arson and vandalism in the early hours of the morning on Mother's Day. A Molotov cocktail was thrown into one of the offices through a window and although it failed to ignite, arsonists started another fire that burned one of the walls and wrote in graffiti on the outside of the building, quote, if abortionists aren't safe, then you aren't either, close quote. Golly, Jewess, with this many fires, the only other industry that's, that's uh, on fire more is the food industry, apparently. 
with all of its fires this year. Interesting, huh? All right, so uh, May 8th, also, Katy, Texas, the our neck of the woods, the tabernacle of St. Bartholomew's, the Apostle Catholic Church, was stolen. Quote, we don't know who did it, but the police are investigating. Please pray for us and for those who committed this uh, criminal sacrilege. Close quote, tweeted Father Christopher Plant, the pastor of the parish. And uh, they are investigating. We don't know any more information uh, beyond that, other than we know that Ruth sent us, as we uh, mentioned on this show, Ruth sent us, did say that they would, quote, burn, they will be burning the Eucharist to show our disgust for the abuse of the Catholic Church have condoned for centuries, close quote, which is, which should remind us the gospel today, when Jesus says, oh, I don't have to condemn you. <laughs> You're going to condemn yourself. I mean, because of the words I've spoken in your rejection of that word, you condemn yourself. And this very statement from Ruth sent us is uh, very much in line with that. To burn the Holy Eucharist is a direct assault against God himself. Now, God's not going to be harmed by us or them, but that is beside the point. It is not so much about God's side of the equation as much as it is about their side of the equation. This is them condemning themselves to hell. Golly gee whiz, someone should reach out to them and implore them not to do such heinous, sacrilegious acts. Adrian, did you want to chime in? Yeah, the a couple things. One is, it's interesting they call themselves Ruth sent us. It's like, where did where did Ruth send you, send you from? Where, where was she at? <laughs> the, exactly, that she's getting you out here. The grave. Right, exactly. I wonder where that would be. And the, so that, that's a grave problem with the, this whole situation the these people hate god mm-hmm. and i made this point at the courthouse yesterday yesterday I went to the county commissioner's office and we were because uh, their judge lena hidalgo was promoting because texas is going to have some trigger laws that are going to ban abortion in texas should roe v wade be overturned and so she's trying to get together people to pass uh anti-life legislation in texas so a number of us went out there yesterday And one of the things that I made a point of bringing up uh, whenever we had a chance to speak was the fact that the left, for the left, and for Satanists, but I repeat myself, their sacrament is abortion. They love baby murder. And this is why, and it's clear that this is true, by the very fact that they are attacking Catholic churches. They are not attacking Baptist churches. They are not attacking the courthouse. They are not protesting against the legislative body of the government. They are attacking our churches, stealing our tabernacles, uh, uh, threatening to destroy the Holy Sacrament. They hate the faith, and it's not simply a political issue. This is a demonic issue. Yeah, well, so it it goes on. May 8th, Houston, Texas, the words pro-choice, pro-life. Pro-choice is pro-life. We're spray-painted on Holy Rosary's church. We interviewed the pastor yesterday on the show. May 7th, Denton, Texas, a pro-life pregnancy center called Loretto House was vandalized over Mother's Day weekend with graffiti sprayed on its doors, walls, and street sign. The message read, quote, not a clinic and forced birth is murder, close quote. Not sure how forced birth becomes murder. Nobody dies in the process of that, unlike abortion where someone always dies. May 7th, New York, abortion activists blocked the entrance of old St. Patrick's Cathedral. We showed you some of the video of that on our live video feed uh, of that. Uh, That was a disgusting, disgusting protest of a woman uh, who is basically, for all intents and purposes, naked on the streets 
enacting an abortion there and just screaming and shouting, I kill the babies, I kill the babies. I mean, that's demonic, in my opinion. Uh, May 7th, Fort Collins, Colorado. St. John, the 23rd Catholic Parish in Fort Collins, Colorado, was vandalized by a masked man who spray-painted, quote, my body, my choice, on the church. May 7th, Maryland and Northern Virginia. Pro-abortion protesters descended on the homes of Supreme Court justices, and multiple news sites reported that Justice Samuel Alito, who authored the leaked opinion, and his family were moved to an undisclosed location for their safety. Praise be to God. I'm sure their neighbors are absolutely loving this. And notice, unlike Nancy Pelosi, these guys don't live in gated communities. Hmm. Interesting. May 6, Portland, Oregon, pro-life activist Lila Rose tweeted images of a pro-life pregnancy center vandalized by Antifa pro-abort men. Uh, they are attack, uh, quote, attacking and putting uh, out hits on pregnancy centers in Portland, Oregon. Close quote, Rose reported, going on to say, quote, because it drives pro-abort men to violent rage to think that women will have to will have to support to choose life. Close quote. Uh, the construction there is kind of weird, but another uh, call for violence, right? Call for violence, because that'll change people's hearts and minds. Right. Just be, be basically becoming a, a bully here. May the 4th. In Michigan, St. Joseph's Priory, which is run by the Society of St. Pius X, was vandalized with satanic graffiti. I mean, actual satanic graffiti. Uh, May the 3rd, Boulder, Colorado, Sacred Heart of Mary Parish, was vandalized with pro-abortion graffiti. And so that's so far the list. This is coming out of LifeSite News of all of the incidents and uh, that are... And there's going to be more. There's probably going to be a lot more that we don't even know about that aren't reported. This is a very grave concern for our country. Let's pray for peace. But let's prepare for conflict. Pray for peace. Prepare for conflict. Your parish should have a plan of what to do and how they're going to do it. You don't want to make the stuff on, on the fly because that's when bad things happen. But prepare and plan. Get your Knights of Columbus to, uh, to start talking about this if they haven't already. And there are good resources, and maybe we'll get them on the show to help with that. But uh, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. More breaking news and stories. Then we're going to talk about the real estate market. All that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing, and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily, ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's March. 
Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Blaze reports more than 100 mail-in ballots found sitting on the sidewalk in East Hollywood. Christina Rapaci was walking her dog Saturday evening when she discovered a USPS box filled with unopened envelopes. She says, I turned the corner and I just saw this box of envelopes. I picked one of them up and I saw that they were ballots. I actually called the sheriff's department. I couldn't get through, so I emailed them, she said. I got an email back from the deputy basically saying that it wasn't their problem and to contact the USPS. Eventually, the L.A. County Registrar's Office contacted Rapaci and sent someone to pick up the ballots. Registrar Dean Logan personally went to pick them up. The Epic Times reports persistent election integrity worries could keep Republican voters home in key Georgia primaries. Even though early voting turnout in Georgia primary elections is trending higher than usual, many Republicans likely will sit out now and in November due to election integrity frustration. About 70% of Republicans believe Donald Trump when he says that the election was rigged and stolen, said Georgia elections expert Charles Bullock. That thinking probably cost Republicans control of the Senate, he said. So to the extent that voters buy into that, Republicans may have the same experience they had in Georgia in the, Gen the Georgia Senate runoffs, that is, in January of 2021, where there was a much bigger drop-off in Republican participation. And Breitbart reports, convicted transgender child molester given light sentence by Soros-backed DA Gascon booked for murder in California. Convicted transgender child molester James Tubbs, who was given a light juvenile sentence by George Soros-backed Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon, has been booked for murder in Kern County to the north of Los Angeles. Gascon, elected in 2020, faces a recall campaign that is more than two-thirds of the way to its required total signatures to qualify for the ballot. He is one of dozens of left-wing prosecutors funded by Soros and backed by the state's Democrats. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us now in studio, which is a rare treat, is my good friend Paul Holub. He's a Catholic realtor and all-around great dad and husband, and uh, praise be to God for it. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, glad to see you here. Uh, but uh, I'm going to make you give me an account for, for the terrible housing market that's out there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You have to answer for it. <laughs> You're the guy on the, <laughs> on the hot seat. But uh, up 34% the pri housing prices since the pandemic, up 20% just in the last tw uh, 12 months, according to the Home Index and S&P. Uh, it seems like the, the dream, the American dream of home ownership, which is one of the best ways to increase status or wealth or that kind of thing. Is it, is it going away? Because it feels like it for a lot of people. I'm like, I have a son, three kids. Praise be to God. I'm a grandfather. Uh, will he be able to own a home any time in the next decade? I mean, it just seems like more and more Americans are going to be relegated to renters versus homeowners. What, what is going on in the market? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, um, you know, Things have just gone so crazy. It's just it's been just a whirlwind in the real estate market. Normally, you know, three to six percent increase in price is kind of, you know, six percent is a big year for real estate uh, nationally. We saw sixteen percent uh, last year, so it's it's just been a bit crazy um, with interest rates going up as well. It's uh, it's been just kind of a whirlwind. So 
the the dream of home ownership is is not dead. It's just um, uh, over overpriced for sure. Right <laughs> overpriced, <now. laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, income isn't keeping pace with inflation. So mm-hmm. if we're making less money uh, now than we had been a year ago, even. Uh, but housing prices are up. Uh, inflation rates are going up. So it seems rather crazy to me. And then just this phenomena of I put my house on the market and then I had 87 offers. Mm-hmm. Like, what? How does this happen? Yeah, and it, it's so hot that it's kind of a, a catch-22. Hey, I want to sell my house and take advantage of the great prices, but hey, where am I going to go? You know. So mm-hmm. that's keeping yeah. a lot of sellers and homeowners you know, staying put. So keeping some some inventory off the market. So, yeah, and it's it's definitely difficult. Um, you're seeing um, some a lot of investors coming in, buying up some property. Um, you know, you look at some of the big hedge funds. We've we've all seen the headlines. You know, BlackRock and Invitation Homes and and um, American Homes for Rent. They are buying up some some properties, but you know, that, dove into some of the research and it looks more like kind of the mom and pop. You know, small investors are buying up these properties, and hey, the market's hot. I'm gonna sit on it for a couple of years, sell it, you know, maybe just rent it out, um, you know, and they can just command the higher and higher rents. So, um, so yeah, so it's kind of a, a combination of low interest rates, these investors, a lot of homeowners trying to get it, and then just the market just being so crazy. Mm. Uh, that's just really impacting everything. And then as, uh, as interest rates go up, um, that's really going to impact and potentially slow down the market a bit, and, and I'm expecting that for sure. Um, this time last year, we were looking at low 3% interest rate for the 30-year conventional loan, um, and now we're at you know five and a half. So we've almost doubled here in in the span of a year. So that's definitely going to and going north still. Yeah, yeah. and that's definitely going to have an impact on people's um, you know monthly payment. I know they're yeah. buying right now at at all-time high prices with the increasing interest rates. Oh, we bought our house in 2008. It was brand new. We we found it when it was they had just put drywall up, and we're like, okay, great, we'll take this one and. Uh, and we bought it. We got a great price for it, uh, $140,000. Seemed reasonable. It was a big house. We loved it. Praise God. Today, they're selling that same model in our neighborhood for not even new. Like the used ones are going for almost $400,000. Wow. And I can tell you, having lived there now for all those years, it ain't worth it. <laughs> okay? I mean, I had to spend $800 yesterday to keep the AC on. And uh, and I've had to fix the AC more than once. So uh, it's just they're not the quality isn't commensurate yeah. with the value price tag, and I feel like it's the hardworking American that's getting ripped off in this deal. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate part. A lot of first time home buyers have not been able to get a home, um, uh, and and that's a challenge. You know, we've the one of the big issues too that we've had is that we just didn't build enough homes in the 2010s. So um, I've heard that before, but I, I'm wrapping my head around that because neighborhoods are constantly going up all over the place. Yeah, at, well, so nationally, um, we'll build about 10 million homes a decade, um, and then in the the 2000s, we built 12 and a half million new homes. Dot, you know, from the housing crash in the 2010s, we only built six and a half million new homes. Mm. You know, so we were down 35 percent for the whole decade. And then everything just went crazy after COVID and just really exposed that shortage. And so it just kind of clamored and people, you know, going after the, the limited inventory that we did have just kind of since broke the system, so to speak. So, um, you know, obviously they're trying to build more homes and, you know, new home starts are up. I think we're 1.5 million new home starts, 1.7. Um, so they are trying to build, but obviously supply chain shortage and then, you know, increase in land value. I mean, these are all just having 
effects down the way of increasing the cost of homes. Mm. So, um, so yeah, they, they will catch up with that inventory, particularly as interest rates go up. It's going to kind of suppress some of those, uh, that demand. And, um, you know, I, will see, I do expect those prices kind of level off the next couple of years and then come down. I don't think we'll see a housing crash like we've seen in uh, 2008. It's just a completely different situation. We just had increasing, increasing amounts of home inventory while prices were, were skyrocketing in, in the mid-2000s. Now we have just decreasing inventory and prices are, are going up. So it's just kind of a, a more natural uh, supply-demand curve. So in the 2010s, you're saying that the, uh, the the housing market, sort of the bubble crashed because there was a lot of homes on the market and not many people purchasing them. And then we have the reverse now where there's not enough homes and uh, people are just aren't able to, to keep up with the demand. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You, you know, in the 2008 crash, I mean, a lot of these small, small mom-and-pop builders went out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, they were sitting on this inventory and then they either had to get foreclosed on or just sell it at a loss. And, uh, and so they went out of business. And so, you know, starting up a whole new building company from scratch and, you know, it takes a while. So, um, and a lot of, they also changed the way they built. You know, they would just build out a lot of these track or spec homes mm-hmm. and you just come in and say, hey, I want this one there, there you know, there you go. Um, a lot of them changed it. Well, they'll build a couple of those, but for the most part, they want a down payment. They want a buyer ready to go. So uh, it just takes a lot longer for them to kind of get up to production, order all the supplies and get things going. So a lot of factors just kind of, you know, uh, cause the situation that's been taking, you know, years to come to this this point. Mm. We're talking with Paul Holub. By the way, his website is paulholub.com. Paul Holub. It's H-O-L-U-B.com. Paulholub.com. You mainly sell in the uh, sort of the energy corridor of the Houston market. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I mean, I'm in them all over the Houston area, but uh, yeah. yeah, some stopping grounds. I mean, I don't hear too many realtors who are selling homes complaining at the moment. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not too. It, it makes your job a little bit easier when you have a couple of different offers. You know, first day on the market. You know, it's um, for the seller to pick from it. But then it's like, okay, now we got to figure out the end game. Where are we going here? What's the timeline? Do we need a lease back? All that fun stuff. So it's, yeah, that's the that's the challenging part. I mean, has it been uh, a good time? And like, are realtors making good money right now because it's closing so fast and above asking prices and all that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's still that that challenge of uh, of trying to find a place. You know, I was saying earlier, it's kind of the spray and pray method for a lot of uh, home buyers. Hey, we're, we're spraying out a bunch of offers and praying that one of them gets accepted, and and that's mm. tough because it's like, hey, you used to be able to pick the home you really like and make a really good offer, and you know, really negotiate and take your time. Now, as soon as these homes hit the market, you you have to see it and put the offer in right away. Yeah, and that's a that's a different level of stress in addition to the already stressful experience of buying a home. Yeah, it seems that, you know, yesterday I shared a video with you. I was watching on CSNBC or whatever it is. And, uh, boy, they really politicized this whole argument. And uh, one of the things they were pushing in this little uh, 50-minute video about the housing market was how they are trying to reshape suburban neighborhoods to make them, remake them in the image and likeness of a left-of-center agenda that sort of brings the bar down low enough that just anybody can get into it. So we're going to go to a break here in a minute, and I kind of want to get into that a little bit too because it seems like the good old days of hard work and determination to get someplace to, to achieve these goals is going out the window. Why do we, I mean, go to college, just get the loans forgiven. Who cares anymore? You know, so we're going to jump into that with Paul Hollip. Right after this break, don't go anywhere. More of Catholic Drive Time is coming your way. Is the housing market going to crash? Well, I think he already asked. 
But to answer that, but I'll ask him again on the other side of the break, buddy. God bless you. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Me to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. We're talking with my good friend Paul Holub, uh, a realtor in the Houston area, about the national housing crisis, as I would say. I have a, I have a son. I mentioned this. I have a son with three grandkids. Praise be to God and a daughter-in-law. And uh, I hope and pray for them that someday they'll become homeowners. But I'm wondering whether or not that will be possible in this current uh, circumstance. And as I was saying before I went to the break, I was watching a CNBC uh, video yesterday about the housing market crisis that came out like a day ago. And it really seemed to me that one of the uh, opinions, one of the goals, the agendas, was to take our suburban neighborhoods and transform them into something more like an inner city you know, neighborhood where you get mixed use. They want to rezone things. They want, uh, they want to bring the... The, uh, the barrier to entry down so low that just anybody can get in. You know, they'll think, they'll, they brought up things like, for instance, uh, student loan debt. Well, student loan debt is a barrier to entry. Well, golly gee whiz, you got to make choices. You decide to go to college and spend $5,200,000. Did you think that was going to be free? I mean, I, maybe you could have gone straight to Starbucks and just gotten a job with, and skipped the whole degree program. Like uh, all your friends did. I mean, I don't know. It seems, Paul, welcome back to the show. It just seems strange to me that in America, we seem to have forgotten that hard work pays off. Determination pays off. It seems like we don't want that anymore. What say you? Yeah, I mean, the the American dream, have your own home and kind of have control of your own destiny and, and build wealth. Um, and I forget the stats, but... The difference between the wealth of a renter versus a homeowner was staggering. I think it's like twenty twenty five thousand versus you know three hundred thousand for the homeowner, um, and and so that's that's a wonderful dream, and we want people to have that. Um, but then also it's it's a you know you want to be in a safe neighborhood, you know, a neighbor uh, have the ability to do that. So yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, that's, that's definitely. I mean, everybody def- wants to be in a safe neighborhood. Yeah, like it just. But if you take safe neighborhoods and you 
bring them down, they're no longer safe neighborhoods, and now they don't serve the very people they said they wanted to serve. Yeah, that's correct. And and it's and it was and I, oh, I watched that video and it was uh, it was interesting. And it, it's hard to for, fa- for to fathom for me just because in Houston we don't have zoning, so we have a little more freedom to build certain things. When, and actually, uh, for Texas law, we have to have so many apartments per so many single-family homes. So mm. we do have you know that mix already kind of built in. Um, so different states where they have a little more strict zoning laws, um, obviously that would apply uh, differently. Yeah, uh, there is. A, I feel like there's an agenda there to sort of reshape the American culture in some ways and i feel like that's a factor in this and uh, and it could be a very dangerous factor in my opinion but let's also talk about uh rising interest rates for a second i mean with interest rates on the rise it becomes prohibitive it becomes more difficult for first-time home buyers to actually enjoy that dream Let, uh, housing prices are up but right now uh, interest rates are on the rise too so i mean I had to start out, my wife and I had to start out, you know, with hard work and determination. It was very difficult. Is it, I mean, I think these people are going to be relegated to being renters for the next decade until they can catch up on that debt and then they can try to buy homes. Because do we have an obligation to try to to make it more possible for uh, loans, for instance, I guess is my question. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different programs out there, um, FHA loans, uh, VA loans, and then there's a variety of other loan sets. Um, that home buyers can get the challenges is that when you're competing against multiple offers, you know, people are coming with cash or, you know, they're putting, you know, 20, 50% down. And that's, you know, first time home buyers, that's really difficult to compete because sellers are going to say, hey, I, I'm going to go with the more well qualified buyer because if something should happen, they should be able to cover it over a first time home buyer. And so uh, the access there, I don't see that as being much of an issue. It's just the, the amount of competition. And, um, you know, our historic average for interest rates is around 6%. So we're getting close to the average right now. We've just been such a depressed interest rate market. And the, uh, it, the prices are so high, it just, it just it's kind of a, a double whammy right now. Um, hopefully, as prices in a minute stable and stabilize and come down, it'll feel a little bit better and won't be as insane. Um, but that could be a couple years. But you don't, you don't predict a, a bust. You just predict stability. Correct. Yeah, I think it's going to kind of pull back, plateau a little bit, and then then slowly maybe come down. But we will see low inventory probably for you know the next couple of years for sure. Obviously, like I mentioned about you know new home starts and so forth, they're going to try to catch up. But you know as interest rates go up, it's going to tamp down some of the, that demand, but it's still going to be uh, low inventory for the next you know four or five years or so. I think we're seeing some states scramble a little bit to address the okay. Now we have rising prices. Uh, the home values are way up. Uh, we need to control how much taxes can be collected on those new values. Because like I was saying, I don't feel the quality of our homes in our neighborhood uh, reflect the prices that are they're selling for. I feel like this is an inflation that ought to be brought back down to something more reasonable. And the county is happy to get their pay raise every single year. And uh, and the question is going to become is all these states is I know Arizona's got a bill uh, has had a law already 10 years on the books that sort of limits what the counties can collect. I'm wondering if other states will follow suit. Do you have any insight there? No, nothing inside other than, you know, Texas, we have one of the highest um, state uh, property taxes in the nation because we don't have a state income tax. So 
Um, they're always, you know, talking about that at the state level, but I haven't really heard anything coming down as far as mm. limiting uh, property tax that they could um, take them. They're happy to take it so far. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about to places like Boston, too, which I lived up in the New England area for 10 years. And neighborhoods up there are so vastly different mm. than the neighborhoods in the South. Uh, we have suburban sprawl. Whereas up there, they have city sprawl and, you know, triple deckers. And, and if you get out into, like, uh, places like Natick or places like that outside of Boston, well, they're still very condensed communities, highly packed communities, and people are living uh, basically on top of each other. Uh, and I find that very interesting. So I'm wondering how this is affecting them in the sense of tax burden, because they do have uh, income tax in those states as well as property tax in those states. It was one of the reasons why we moved from New Hampshire to Texas was because of the tax burden. I mean, I was working three jobs. It was just really hard to keep my wife home, to raise a family, to make ends meet. Texas provided more opportunity, and that's part of the reason why we moved. Uh, Rudy, from your perspective, you're, you're, you're hoping to buy a home soon. Yeah, you know, that was one of the, the enticing things of moving here to Texas, not, not only just working here at the GRN, but the possibility of, of finding real estate that was sort of affordable. And when I applied for the job here, things were relatively normal. I think the interest rate was still at about 2 2.5%. And I thought, oh, okay, well, we'll be, in, uh, we'll be in Houston for a year. We'll save a little bit more and put 20% down and, you know, maybe maybe get a house here. But it's it's seeming to me as if it's completely impossible. <laughs> And it's frustrating, too, because we would like to expand our family, and it's hard to have a family and rent here in Houston. So um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you suppose, uh, what, what would be your advice for, for young families who are in the same position as I am right now? Uh, should they just continue waiting and tough it out? Or, I mean, do you suggest getting in on the, on the market? One of the things that I've heard is that you should just get in because it's not going to it's not going to go any lower. Might as well get in and refinance later. What 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 do you say? Yeah, I mean, I um, I think if 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 you are in your family situation ready to buy this year and you want to look for a home, I definitely think you should get qualified and you know get out into the market just to kind of understand where everything is. Um, you know, obviously you can always refinance later, but you're right. I mean, it's um, you know, it could keep going up. Um, again, I'm expecting to kind of stall a little bit over the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, you can still find the right home in a hot market. It just, you know, it takes a lot more uh, persistence. Mm. So, um, you know, there's other programs out there. I have uh, a wonderful VA family. You know, he's a former Marine, you know, um, wants to use his VA benefits, but he hasn't been able to buy a home with the VA benefits. So we're using a different company that's essentially going to buy the home in cash and then he's going to, uh, they're going to sell it to him and he's going to use his VA loan. So there's other cool products out there. Um, so you just have to be a little bit more creative to kind of compete with all these other cash buyers, out-of-state buyers and, and other investors. How are, much, uh, sorry, Joe, how, how much demand is there for uh, fixer-upper houses? You know, one of the things that was surprising to me here in Houston was uh, literally it looked like a crack house for $200,000. <laughs> yeah. You know, that yeah. seemed to be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on opposite day. Um, but what 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 are the uh, why are these houses so expensive now? I don't understand. Is it just because of the lack of inventory or? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Low inventory and and high demand. You know, so all these homes that are like uh, you wouldn't want to live in, you know, they'll fix them up and you know sell them at a, a premium. So yeah, um, I, ha I saw one uh, recently. It was like oh, she's wouldn't, wouldn't want to live there, but um, we had. <laughs> 
I think like 12 offers and wow. it was just, yeah, it was just nuts. So I love uh, a project, but uh, not, <laughs> not, not for $200,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. especially with a 20% down payment, yeah. unless you were going to pay the PMI or whatever, yeah. and the high interest rate, do you even have the capital to fix the place up? I mean, mm-hmm. before you would buy a house that was move-in ready, maybe it wasn't the best or 100%, but it was like, okay, you could live with that for a while. But now you have to find above and beyond all of that just to be able to fix the place up, and which is not cheap. And c- good luck getting the crews in there on a reasonable time frame because they're backlogged too. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, you're waiting months to get some of this done. Um, let me ask you a question because we have about a minute left, minute and a half left. What about the difference between country purchasing houses out in the country versus the city? Had the country market, has that market uh, remained stable or is that too uh, high pricing? Yeah, no, price has gone up in the country as well. Um, you know, the suburbs, you're still a little more bang for your buck. But, yeah, people are buying land out in the country. They can work remote. Um, people are moving out of high um, tax states, you know, like California, New York, Kona, Texas, Florida, and Arizona. So, yeah, even there, it's pretty um, pretty competitive. Wow. All right, the bearer of only good news, Paul Holub. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to have you back. PaulHollub.com. If you're interested in checking out more about what he and his team uh, does to help people buy and sell homes, paulhollub.com. Paul, God bless you. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. But if you can and are able to join us in the second hour, please do so. We're going to have a good time. We have good news, uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, plus our game show, Fear and Trembling, and prizes are at stake all coming up in the next hour. You can always hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. March to end abortion and rally for personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. 
G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Hi, I'm Father Ricardo Ariola from St. Bartholomew the Apostle. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Wednesday, May the 11th, 2022. And we're already halfway there, halfway to the weekend. This week is flying by so fast, praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Paul Holub from paulholub.com, talking about the real estate market. What is causing the insanity? Up? Prices up 20% just in the last 12 months alone. And uh, if you missed that conversation, you can always catch the podcast on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Or on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or just download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app on your app store, and you can listen to the Catholic Drive Time podcast right there, as well as get a number of other incredible benefits staying connected to your local Guadalupe Radio Network radio station. Again, check that out in your app store. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Are and, you uh, uh, are you are you inspired by the conversation? Do you are you now it. hopeful or no? That's it. It's over. It's over. I'm just going to go and do it. Do what? Buy a house or <laughs> rent for the rest of your life? Now, I don't know. You know, it's hard to make a choice because mm-hmm. I'm a miser and I hate spending money. I see. And well, so the great that coupled with it. The great philosopher uh, in Davos said, you will owe nothing and be happy. Yeah. So I'm, there you go. I'm not really all that happy. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's real. I don't think that's accurate. That, totally. Totally <laughs> accurate. Well... At any rate, but Paul's going to hang out with us in the after show, which is the second half of this hour. So if you have questions about the real estate market you might want to pose to uh, Paul, then you're welcome to do so. Uh, one of our live video feeds, which all of which are linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. It was a great day yesterday, having probably upwards of about 90 people uh, throughout the afternoon at the rally at um, Discovery Green. And I know there's going to be a ton of rallies. There's one tonight. There's going to be a couple on Saturday in the Houston area. And so if you have never been to a rosary rally, 
I would reach out to the Catholics in your area, find out if one is happening in your area, and if it's not, well, then praise be to God, uh, you have an opportunity to try to organize one. So it was a great time. We prayed in reparation for sins and outrages against attacks against the church and and for the support of the pro-life legislation in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But I'd also like to ask everyone, if you could, say a Hail Mary, an Ave, or so, or maybe a rosary for Father John Stone. He's uh, very ill right now. He's an oblate of St. Augustine, and he is uh, very sickly right now at the moment. So if you would say a prayer for him, it's a, he's either going to get better or he's going to die. So if you'd say a prayer for him, I'd be very grateful. You know, yesterday as I was trying to find parking, I couldn't, I got, uh, I, I pulled into a spot and the parking guy was, uh, like the ticket guy was there. And he's like, you can't park here. I'm like, why? He goes, well, because all these spots are reserved. I'm like, who? who allows this stuff? <laughs> Downtown Houston, Texas, who's allowing any reservations whatsoever? <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, I, I parked at the church. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up parking in the garage near at the underneath uh, in the in the subterranean uh, dungeon of discovery green and then as i was pulling into the garage my my rack banged on that thing that they you know you can't be so high <laughs> i'm just like this is great i'm ruining my car as i drive into this thing it was fun but we had a good time nonetheless praise be to god well uh we are going to have a great show this hour and we're glad we are glad that you are here praise be to god we're going to have good news for you uh, hopefully it's a tearjerker today well, maybe. Puppies involved? No. Oh, Unless you're talking about listen, puppies the, from down there. The S&P Puppy Index requires that we have at least one puppy uh, uh, good news story per week. I'll make sure to include that. The last puppy story we had was the <laughs> oldest dog recorded, which is a chihuahua. And I saw a picture of him the other day, and he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. <laughs> pretty for, good for his age? For 20 years old. Wow. Yikes. All right. Well, whatever the good news story is, it's coming up next. Plus, Saint of the Day, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. A lot more coffee for me, obviously. And then we, of course, play our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we have secrets and agendas. But I will not tell you about that when the time comes. But you do need to make a phone call at the appropriate moment, and I'll give you that number soon. But let's jump in. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. LifeSite reports, Thousands flock to Miraculous Rosary Shrine built by ex-Satanist to honor Our Lady of Pompeii. On Mother's Day in Italy, thousands of pilgrims honored the Mother of God by flocking to the famous Rosary Shrine of Our Lady of Pompeii for her feast day at the beautiful basilica built by Blessed Bartolo Longo, a Satanist priest turned saint. The crowds were so large that the solemn mass of the feast was offered in the piazza of the shrine to accommodate the numbers. The papal basilica dedicated to Our Lady of the Rosary enshrines the miraculous image of the Madonna and Child handing the rosary to Saints Dominic and Catherine. The church was dedicated in 1891, constructed under the direction of Blessed Bartolo Longo, founder of the confraternity of the rosary. 
In his young adult life after the death of his mother, Bartolo Longo fell away from the Catholic faith of his childhood, becoming involved in the occult and advancing to become a satanic high priest. After experiencing deep depression that led him to consider committing suicide, Bartolo Longo returned to the church when he heard the voice of his deceased father beckoning to him. Return to God! Return to God! With the help of a Dominican friar, Father Alberto Radente, he renounced his involvement in Satanism fully and decided to begin promoting the rosary. Years later, he recounted a key moment of his conversion. As I pondered over my condition, I experienced a deep sense of despair and almost committed suicide. Then I heard the echo in my ear of the voice of Father, Fa, Friar Alberto repeating the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you seek salvation, promulgate the rosary. This is Mary's own promise. These words illuminated my soul. I went on my knees. If it is true, I will not leave this valley until I have propagated your rosary. After seeking direction from Pope Leo XIII, Bartolo Longo decided to build a shrine in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary. The site chosen was the ancient city of Pompeii near Naples, where the convert saint had, become, had come back to the faith. After the construction of the church, Bartolo Longo reflected on the juxtaposition of the Christian city next to the ruins of the old pagan city of Pompeii that had been buried for centuries by the ash of Mount Vesuvius. He wrote, Next to a land of dead appeared, quite suddenly, a land of resurrection and life. Next to a shattered amphitheater soiled with blood, there is a living temple of faith and love, a sacred temple to the Virgin Mary. From a town buried in the filth of Gentilism arises a town full of life, drawing its origins from a new civilization brought by Christianity. The new Pompeii, it is a new civilization that openly appears beside the old. The new art next to the old, Christianity, full of life in juxtaposition to long-surpassed paganism. And that's good news. God love you. Rudy forgot to mention the best part about him is that he became a Dominican too. Ha <laughs> ha! Anyway, he's not the saint of the day. The saint of the day is Saint Gangolfus. He was born around the 7th and 8th century, born to one of the most illustrious families of Burgundy. His education was provided by his parents who were virtuous Christians. As a youth, Gangolfus was known for his great honesty, chastity, and propriety. And he visited churches and read religious texts, avoiding the company of libertines. And when his parents died, he became a model landowner, taking care of the household economy with ease and industry and also, and, and also providing for the churches and the poor on his land. When it came time to marry, he chose a woman who, unfortunately, did not share his virtues. As an important nobleman, Gangolfus participated in the wars of the time, but also dedicated himself to preaching the gospel in Frisia. On a journey back to Burgundy, he found a property at Basigny, upon which stood a fountain that issued fresh and good water. Gangolfus bought the property, however, his friends mocked him, because this property's fountain would not serve back at home. However, when Gangolfus returned home, he pushed a stick into the soil. The next day, he instructed the servants to pull the stick out of the soil, and out of the soil emerged a new fountain, from which gushed fresh water. During his absence, his wife had committed adultery with a priest. His wife protested her innocence, but Gangolfus wished her innocence to be judged by God. Thus, he had her dip her hand into the very same source of water that he had created on his property. His wife's hand was completely and miraculously scalded by the water. 
He was fairly lenient and he forbade his wife from ever sharing his marriage bed and also ordered the priest to go abroad. Gangolfus, meanwhile, withdrew to his castle at Avalon near Vizelay, performing works of penance and charity. However, his wife soon had her lover return. Hurrying back, the priest, wishing to decapitate Gangolfus, attacked the saint as he slept. However, the priest missed and injured his thigh. The wound, however, proved to be fatal, and Gangolfus received the last sacraments on May 11, 760. The priest fled the country with Gangolfus's wife. Purported miracles soon took place at his tomb, but both his wife and the priest soon suffered grave illnesses and died. Saint Gangolfus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn him, for I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge him. The word that I spoke, it will condemn him on the last day, because I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Afflicate said, quote, Since the Son is the word of the Father and reveals completely what is in the mind of the Father, he says he receives a commandment what he should say and what he should speak. Just as our word, if we say what we think, brings out what is in our minds. Close quote, Theophilicate. Boy, think about that for, for a moment. Jesus is the very mind, speaking the very mind of the Father. Adrian, what did you find? Oh my goodness, Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say, uh, not enough time to cover it all. But he says here, if on responding in verse 47, And if any hear my words and keep them not... I judge him not, that is, does not retain them in his mind, believes them not, as in the Greek, though the Vulgate, agreeing with the Syriac and Arabic, reads, keep them not, as Christ explains in the next verse, by the words, I judge him not. Christ means, I came not into the world to judge it, but to save it. But a man who believes not on me is at once condemned and judged by his own wickedness and unbelief, and also by the eternal decrees of the Father. This is plain from what follows, because then in verse, chapter 3, verse 18, it refers back to this, which says, This decree of the Father I will execute at the day of judgment, when I shall return to the judge of the world, as I have now come to redeem it. For as Christism says, I judge not, that is, I am not the cause of his ruin, but he is himself its cause in despising my words. So St. Augustine says, Now is the time of mercy, hereafter the time of judgment. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world, that is, the inhabitants of the world. 
This is important because our Lord here makes it clear that he has a desire for your salvation. And he has set up the perfect situation that will bring about your salvation. So we have to listen to his words. We can't just look at God as our Lord, as just some prophet or as some good teacher where we can take what is good and leave what is bad. No, he is God himself. So we must obey all that he has commanded, not some, all that he has commanded. For if we do not, it is not God who ultimately condemns us, but it is ourselves and our Lord will then recognize our own decision, and he will cast us into hell, as Cornelius Lapides says, quoting St. Augustine, he will judge not by his human power, but by the power of the word of God. Amen. All right, time to play our game, uh, Fear and Trembling, Praise Be to God. The phone number, are you ready? you got to call it right now. Phone lines are open. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call at 877 757 94 24 it's easy it's fun you don't need to know the answers to win 877 757 94 24 that's 877 757 94 call right now 877 757 94 24 fear and is coming up next don't go anywhere kevin dragon will be right back are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClendon. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. So you can't tell anybody. Uh, but before I tell you all of my secrets and my agendas for you to just throw onto Twitter or Facebook or something, uh, what I need most is a phone call to play the game. So if you have never played, this is a great opportunity. You could win. It's super easy, I promise. But if you've uh, played before and it's been at least a month, call back. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, waiting for a call at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. But here is the deal while we wait for the contestant to jump on with us. We have, uh, we have secrets and agendas. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers tend to be the best. Praise be to Jesus. And then we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. For your sake, I shall explain. We have three Catholic trivia questions in front of us, but we do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know a single correct answer. They could win and not know. And that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and one will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? All right. Picture it now. You're sitting at home. Kitchen table, that is. And you look to your left, you look to your right, and you look down, and what do you see? Ah, it's the best recipe your wife has made in weeks. And it's definitely a make-again, you say, but what happens? You forget. You both forget. You forget the recipe entirely, and it's casserole dishes all over again. Don't let that happen to you. Go to Rose Custom Planners and get yourself a custom recipe book. Heck, you can even get yourself a planner while you're at it, too. And uh, for a limited time, our, our listeners can use the promo code Catholic Drive Time, all capitals, no spaces, Catholic Drive Time, and get 20% off, too. They're generously sponsoring our game show this week with a planner bundle. Thank you so much, Rose Custom Planners. All right. God bless you, Rose Customs Plan. Rose Custom, no S. RoseCustomPlanners.com. Right. God bless you. Thank you for doing it. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Carmel, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be. Is it? What is your name again? I just want to make sure I get it correct. Yeah, like uh, Our Lady Mount Carmel. Oh, Carmel. Carmel. Praise be to God. And where nice. are you calling from, Carmel? Uh, from Midland. Midland, Texas. Uh, famously known for being midway between Dallas and El Paso. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, you have the, yeah. the sweet aroma of Texas oil in the air at all times. Praise be to God. Um, make oil great again, I say. And our baker friends are there, too. And our baker friends are there. So Midland has lots of claims to fame. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, Carmel. Praise be to God. Are you familiar with the show? Are you familiar with the game in particular? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you sure? You said it. I heard. I detected a sense of uh, hesitancy there, Carmel. Are you? You're not nervous, are you? Yeah, could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be. I'm on your side. I am here to help and guide you through the tricky waters of what is Rudy and Adrian, and together we shall persevere. I I'd promise. be nervous about Joe. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
early, guys. <laughs> All right, Carmel, let's play the game. Let's do this. We will start with Rudy Carlos, as is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony here on the program. I identify as a squirrel, by the way. Do you? I do. Uh, which kind? Uh, how's it go? Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. No tie today, by the way. So is no that, tie. Is, is the, it's like we should have an S&P index of Rudy Carlos. What color tie, the fact that he's not wearing a tie, all indicates something. I'm just telling you, not sure what. buy, buy, buy. Go buy. in right now. On Rudy perfect Ca- time all, to buy. Go all in on Team Rudy. Yep. Okay. Let's ask the question then. Who wears the vestment called Fanon? All right. So particularly priests in really hot continents, uh, even really? here in Houston, uh-huh. okay. they simply turn the fan on. <laughs> they turn the fan on, you say? Yeah. So the vestment. They turn the who, fan on. So who wears them? Priests in hot environments. Priests in hot environments yes. is your answer. Yes. Okay. There you go for Team Rudy. Let's see what Adrian says. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Hey, I'm, I'm just happy you got my name. I know. Me too. I wrote it down someplace. Uh, I forgot where I put it. But anyway, uh, can you tell me who wears the vestment called a fanon? Ah, yes, the fanon. It looks super cool, and but there's only one person that's allowed to wear it. Only one person. And that mm. person is the papa. The pope. The papa. Not the potato. No, okay. Is there a potato called the papa? That's, you know, just potatoes in Spanish. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Papa. So in, in Latin, papa. Got it. Or Italian. Got it. Uh, the, yeah, all right. So your answer is the Pope. Yeah. All right. Well, well, Carmel, you got choices. Adrian says uh, it is the Pope that wears the fanon. Not the potato. Not the potato, as Adrian clarifies. Or is it, as Rudy says, it's priests living in hot environments in particular. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carmel, what say you? Uh, well, I don't know, so I'm going to have to guess. I'm going to go with Adrian because uh, he makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, just as your friendly guide, Carmel, as uh, someone who's on your team, a word of advice, we don't admit Adrian is correct. You, sir, are a publicly. genius and clearly okay. a very handsome man, a very intelligent to man. To say things clearly. like he makes sense <laughs> is usually not the most prudent <laughs> And see, he's holy as well. He mentioned he had a tonger. Ah. Oh, wonderful man over here. Praise be to God. All right. Good job. You're in. You're correct. What is a fan in Adrian? It's the so it's like a, a it's kind of hard to describe, mm-hmm. but it's like a cape, but it only goes down to the breast. Yes. and it yeah. lays in like a in like a circular uh, shape. It's like Benedict shape. no longer wears one. Well, does he not? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen him one in quite a while. But the Norbertines do. So let that sink in. All right, let's go to the next question, and we're going to go to Adrian first with this Uh-oh. one. Adrian, easy, easy question. Easy question. Easy question. You promise? I do. Okay. When is the feast of Christ the King celebrated? Oh, the feast of Christ the King. Yes, that is actually one of my favorite feast days, mm-hmm. and that was actually what was that? This last Sunday. Was it? Yeah, I remember celebrating it. We had a great, great time. I knew I should have read the bulletin. Yeah, you, you forgot your missile uh, at home today again, didn't you? What is, a miss, <laughs> missile? Yeah, not not like missile? one that fires from a plane, but the one you carry Listen, in the mass with you. I'm only willing to pay send tax dollars for missiles. Good. Anyway, different topic. <laughs> Let's go to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me when is the feast of Christ the King celebrated? Christ is King every single day, but Amen. the feast 
particularly, is mm. the last Sunday of October. The last yes. Sunday of October. Carmel, is Christ the King on the last Sunday of October, as Rudy says? Or is it last week, as Adrian says, 15 seconds on the clock, who is right, who is wrong? Carmel, what say you? Uh, I'm really bad with liturgical things like that. Uh, but I'm go with Rudy because, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Because <laughs> you know... Because Rudy. I love the reasoning there. Because Rudy. Praise be to God. Team Rudy. (laughs) One for Team Rudy there. Congratulations. (laughs) You are correct. Last Sunday of October. All right. Third and final question. I think we can get this done. Easiest question today. Hardest question. Easily the the easiest question of all time. Easily the hardest question we've ever had. Back to Rudy. Here we go, Rudy. Can you name for me the fifth sorrowful mystery, please? It's over. It's easy math, Carmel. It simply is the burial of Jesus. Is it? Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Adrian, can you tell me, uh, can you name for me the fifth sorrowful mystery, please? Well, I know in my time I have prayed the rosary once or twice, and so I know that the, the fifth sorrowful mystery is, in fact, the crucifixion and death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, we got options, Carmel. We got options. Is the fifth sorrowful mystery of the Holy Rosary the crucifixion and death of our Lord, as Adrian somehow thinks? Or is it, as Rudy says, the burial of our Lord? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carmel, what say you? Um, I'm thinking like Adrian. On purpose? Uh, so Intentionally? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Carmel, done. I thought we reviewed this. I, th- I you know, I'm ten out of ten. We discussed this, you and I, Carmel. We. I feel like a, I feel like a wiener today. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. Praise be to God. You are right. It is obviously the crucifixion, and that makes for a perfect score today. <laughs> Carmel, are you? I am not going to bet you on this. I, I bet you're one of those sneakers that you pretend. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Then you nail everyone. Yeah, hustler right there. All right, you're in for three. You could win. We're going to put you on hold, but uh, God bless you. Thanks for playing our game and having a laugh today. Yes, sir. God bless you. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. We're going to go into the after show on one of our live video feeds, which is all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Our good friend Paul Hall is going to hang out with us. If you've got questions about the real estate market, come and ask him. grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning, and welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Wednesday of the fourth week of Easter.
The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The strife is o'er, the battle done. The victory of life is won. The song of triumph hath begun. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, you my brothers, brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Let us pray. O God, the life of the faithful, glory of the humble, blessedness of the just. Listen kindly to the prayers of those who call to you, that they who thirst for what you generously promise may always have their fill of your plenty. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The word of God continued to spread and grow. After Barnabas and Saul completed their relief mission, they returned to Jerusalem, taking with them John, who is called Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who is a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, completing their fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So they, sent forth by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O God, let all the nations praise you. O God, let, let all, all the nations, nations praise you. My God, have pity on us and bless us. May he let his face shine upon us. So may your way be known upon earth among all nations, your salvation. O God, o God let all, all the nations praise you. May the nations be glad and exult because you rule the peoples in equity, the nations on the earth you guide. 
O God, let all the nations praise you. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May God bless us, and may all the ends of the earth fear him. O God, let all the nations praise you. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my voice and does not observe them, I do not condemn him. If anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn him. For I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge him, the word that I spoke. It will condemn him on the last day, because I did not speak on my own. But the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a moment in an assignment that I had as a young priest. I was sent as a formator in a seminary in the Philippines, a place where I lived for about seven years, and it was really strangely difficult. I say strangely difficult because at one point I had five different kinds of skin rashes. There was uh, electricity was knocked out by a typhoon and we had no running water or electricity. There was, our neighbors had not done the regulatory killing of their, the, the chicken farmers, and so there was a, a super abundance of flies. The flies had attracted huge frogs. There was like an infestation of flies and frogs. And the other priest that was with me said, what is this, the ten, you know, plagues of Egypt? It was odd. I've never had that level of suffering before. But in those moments, there was one reality that I kept going back to in my mind to help me deal with that level of acute suffering is that I was sent. I was sent by God and I was sent by legitimate authority in the church. That being sent was one of the deepest identities of Jesus Christ. And that is the one thing that remained in his mind during the his most sacred passion that he held on to, that he was sent by the Father to do a job, to carry out a mission, to complete a task, and that was to save the human race. 
And in, in order to do that, Jesus was consecrated. He was consecrated means you're set aside for a holy purpose. In the first reading, we have Saints Paul and Barnabas who were set aside with prayer and fasting and by legitimate authority in the church to accomplish a mission. And this is a, a missionary vocation. Pope John Paul, in his Redemptorius Missio, he talked about that there are certain individuals who are called, it's a vocation within a vocation, whether they are priests, religious, or lay people, to a particular missionary vocation ad gentes, to go for a, a lifelong missionary vocation to preach the gospel to people who never heard it before or a, a, a radical kind of missionary vocation. And I remember as a young, I was right before I, I entered into religious life, I was at, it was three o'clock in the morning at Tor Vergata on World Youth Day on the fields of Rome and the Blessed Sacrament was there in the middle of the night. I remember God calling me to mission. It was right before I was sent to Central America and then most of my adult life has spent out of the country answering that vocation. But that consecration to mission is not just for those persons who have a special vocation to, uh, you know, and what that means is it is a very real possibility at this moment I could be called to go to uh, Thailand to do drug rehabilitation or to do migrant streams of, of migrants that are in, throughout the United States or uh, to go to a, a part of Africa that's 95% Muslim or these kinds of radical situations, that's a, that's a very real possibility for me, something that I embrace wholeheartedly with great joy. But that's not just that every single person who's baptized has a mission, and they are sent into that mission. And that's something that you have to really hold on to really hard when times get very difficult. And I was talking to, I just visited um, England where I, I was sent for three years of my life and I was visiting one of the young women who, I remember when she was 15, now she's got four kids and she's got a really difficult mission and she's begging me for some kind of scrap of advice when things get really difficult and her life has gotten quite difficult. She's trying to raise four kids alone and it's not easy. And I said one thing, you remember when all the criticism comes from different people or when your family is not there for you or when you feel like everything's down or you even feel the syrup of your own self-pity kind of sop up the mess of your life. Anything that happens, you got a job to do. you got to raise those kids. That's your mission. Do it. And remember, even if you feel bad about it, it doesn't matter. you got a mission to do. God has given you a mission. He sent you with the authority to do it. He's given you the grace to do it. And so you've got to buckle down and embrace that. The way that Jesus did that, being sent by the Father, is he was consecrated of the Virgin Mary. He took upon himself her flesh. And that is what we do if we really want to accomplish a mission. We become consecrated to Jesus through the means of Mary Virgin Mother of God, because we imitate Jesus in that regard. So we, what, what does that mean? It means that every time you go to Mary and ask her for help, she magnifies whatever grace God has in you. 
She magnifies it, intercedes for you, she prays for you, and your mission becomes very clear and very focused in your life that you have a very particular job to do. A practical means of doing that is praying the rosary every day. The rosary is a missionary consecration prayer. It is, it, if you want to know what your job is, you're struggling knowing the will of God, you're struggling knowing how to accomplish it in your family or, or your prayer life, pray the rosary. Rosary your problems, like a lasso. Lasso your problems with the rosary. Find those problems in the rosary, and God will show you a very clear direction in your life, and he will reaffirm and reconsecrate your purpose. May the prayers of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary, pray for us that we may be very clear about the fact that we have a job to do in the name of God, and we are sent by him. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may be set on fire with the holy love of God, the Holy Spirit may inflame the hearts of the faithful to reflect Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Amen. Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Come ye faithful, raise the strain of triumphant gladness. God hath brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loosed from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters led them with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters. Tis the spring of souls today, Christ hath burst his prison. And from three days sleep in death, as the sun has risen, all the winter of our sins, long and dark, is flying. From his light to whom we give, Lord, and praise undying. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O God, who by the wonderful exchange effected in this sacrifice have made us partakers of the one supreme Godhead, grant, we pray, that as we have come to know your truth, we may make it ours by a worthy way of life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, and Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. By the oblation of his body, he brought the sacrifices of old to fulfillment in the reality of the cross, and by commending himself to you for our salvation, showed himself the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. 
grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints in whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants, whom you've called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth who will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom, there we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Throw him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Perceptis salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, audehemus dicere. Pater noster, qui has in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, Et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalom. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, 
Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. communion antiphon I have chosen you from the world says the Lord and have appointed you to go out and bear fruit fruit that will last Alleluia an act of spiritual communion my Jesus I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father draw him, and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up on the last day. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, even if he die, he shall live forever, and I will raise him up and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up on the last day. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God, who has come into the world, and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let us pray. Graciously be present to your people, we pray, O Lord, and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. 
Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia County.